you to come and speak to us tonight, to reveal yourself to us through the word, to open up our understanding that we can know the hope of our calling. Lord, we appreciate you tonight for all that you've done, for the grace that has been given, for the mercy that came and rewrote our lives, made us new creatures in Christ. Lord, we thank you for that grace. We're asking tonight Lord, that as we would break the bread of life, taking the scripture, Lord, that even as you walked with them that day on the Emmaus Road, that you would take the word today and that you would just open it to us, open our understanding, impart to us a truth, help and quicken, Lord, that word to our lives. Every need supply, we pray. There are those that are represented here tonight and each one of them represents a need because whether we even know it or not, we need you, Lord. There's not a one of us that are self-sufficient. We must have you and we ask for your grace now. You administer to hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 10. I'd like to read from verse 27. We'll um, read one verse there and also then we'll turn to Revelation chapter 4 for the next scripture reading. That will be in verse 1. But right now Isaiah 10 and verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Then turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 and we'll begin with the first verse there. And after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. 
And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that was sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they all had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had, the, had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is. And is to come, or the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking tonight on anointed for deliverance. Revelation chapter 4 shows the type that when the seventh age ends, as you notice, it Revelation 4 begins right after the seven ages conclude. And it is at the end of the seventh age that we will hear the trumpet call that says, come up hither and be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, this is so important to us when we view the end time, because as you know, we're in the end time and we've got to have an escape from the things that are coming upon the earth. We, we noticed um, just even released just recently uh, uh, in our school's curriculum um, that is being passed through the nation. It's being introduced to sodomize our children, to turn little boys into little girls and little girls into little boys. And we're living in a time when sin is rampant everywhere. There is killing and murders and rapes, and you cannot read the, the news without um, some of the most awfulest, hideous crimes that are being taken, even children against parents and parents against children, and, you know, uh, on and on and on, there's no limit, seem like, to the sin because it's a bottomless pit that men have fallen into. We have heads of governments that are boldly and recklessly proclaiming their desire to to wipe out human life upon the earth. And it's certainly a time like this when we see um, signs in the, in the heavens and the moon and see signs upon the earth and earthquakes in divers places that we ought to today be listening for that voice that says, come up here. And we should hear that voice that urges us on in our lives to ascend. I want you to notice it was a trumpet call, come up here, come up here. 
It is a call to ascend. And of course, that is the call in this rapture and age is to be a people who ascend, not a people who continue to fall or step out into this bottomless pit where men are tumbling over and over, head over heel. But, but once, once you can rise in faith above the clouds of peril and, and darkness and troubles of this life, uh, if you notice in Revelation 4, is when John was caught up there um, out of the ages into the heavens, the first thing that he saw was God on the throne. And that's what we sometimes can't see, you know. Um, we, we see the trouble and we see the perplexity of time and we see the evil in the land. But oh, when you are called up higher to ascend into the realms of, of a believer, that a believer is to go into that we, we see someone sitting on the throne. Amen. And we see that there's somebody that's in control of all of this. And, and even though that man has allowed Satan to control, this is what our father Adam did. He sold the human race is under the rule of Satan and under sin's dominion. But that is only for a time. There is another king that is coming. And that's who we see when we step forward. Uh, or we see step forward as our kinsmen where God became a man to take back for man what belongs to man. Satan's dominion is about over. Amen. We've done seen the Prince of Peace is about to come and take the world back over again. He's already unsealed the book in his and has that in his hand and, and is about to deal out its contents. In fact, the matter is, he's handing it out to believers so that those believers can take it within them and, and digest it and speak. Amen. Because there's the someone to prophesy again. We also see, also see that John caught up in the spirit that he sees around the throne that He's, uh, God is not alone, but there are four living creatures. And one is like a lion, and another is like a calf, and, uh, and another is like a man, and another is like an eagle. And uh, there's four of them, because four is the number of deliverance. Each one of them have eyes before and behind. You can't sneak up on them. And when they see what's coming long before it comes... Amen. There's no surprises to them because they, they have eyes within and without. Amen. They're showing they can, what they can see. They can see what was to come. Eyes within shows that they know everything now. Eyes in the back know what was, which is, and which shall come. And reflecting through the church ages, the, the Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he that was, which is, and shall come. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what these, these living creatures are constantly screaming out Amen. With, their, with their words of holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. He that was, which is, and is to come. You see, they, they know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
They know that the word of God is current and is present. That just as it was in the past, so is it in the present. And so will it be in your future. Amen. These living creatures represent the living church, the church that's living by the power and the resurrection of Christ. The, these are anointings of deliverance. The, we see the, the, before the throne there are living creatures, anointings of deliverance. We see that there are 24 elders, 12 of the old and 12 of the new, and they're sitting on thrones because they are representing the bride of all ages, whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the holy elect group who are enthroned with him. Amen. They're not only enthroned with them, but they are also crowned and given power and authority. I want you to understand you tonight. They represent you, the church of Jesus Christ, who sit with him in power and authority. Amen. They rule as kings and priests before the throne of God. Amen. And there they, they are enthroned with him. And there, then there are angels, which are ministering spirits that are sent to minister to them that are the heirs of salvation. I tell you, that ought to put you into shouting condition tonight. Amen. To think about this message was ministered to you, not just by a man, but by an angel of God. Amen. Why? Because you are heirs of this great deliverance. You are heirs of this salvation. The book of redemption was, we know, was sealed with seven seals. The first four seals show a rider and four horses. And it is all the same horse and rider. It's just, it's just in, he just changes into different stages. It begins white and with purity, looking like real purity, like really Christ. But it's an impersonation of Christ. And then, then he changes to red after the spirit um, of the enemy anoints um, a man and a pope. And then that, the Catholic Church gaining the power of the state amen, begins to use the sword of persecution to exterminate the truth by killing out the true believers. And it isn't long till his white horse is bloody red with the blood of the saints. And after that, the horse changes to a black horse. And the, the dark ages come in to where they can sell the staff of life, offering for a, a measure of weed or measure of barley for money. Thus the Catholic Church, by inventing such things as purgatory, which isn't scriptural, and the power to remit sins and offer indulgences, which is prepayment for sins that you plan to commit. Are you with me? Amen. So, you know, here they invented all of that and became a very rich and wealthy church. But all the time they were stamping out knowledge. It was stamping out understanding and causing a dark age. So the horse then becomes black. And then, then of course, the, the rider of these, these, these four horses of the first four seals 
They, if you notice, if you ever read your Bible there, you notice it. They, it's not named. It don't tell you who the first horse rider was or the second horse rider or the third horse rider until you come to the fourth horse rider. And he said, his name is death. And hell follows him. Amen. And the reason for that is because there is an anointing that has come out to oppose him that identifies him. And because it's an eagle anointing, and he's able to tell them things because it's a prophetic anointing that the other ones were not able to tell and discern. The lion, the ox, and the man were not able to tell what this was. But when you come down to the eagle age, it's a prophetic age. It's a time for the mysteries to be made known. It's a time for the Antichrist to be named. Are you with me now? So even through the early age under the lion anointing, it was an apostolic age. Now notice, notice if, you, if you remember the first seal and when he opened the first seal, I heard as it was the, the first beast saying, come and see. So it was the lion that stepped forth. Amen. The first living creature before the throne, this power, this anointing, Oh, was, was allowing John, representing the bride, to see something here that, that, that um, you could not see except to the eyes of this anointing. Are you with me now? Amen. So he said, come and see. Uh, and he invites John, representing the bride, come and take a look. Come and see what this is. And he sees a white horse rider going forth. He is enabled to, to see this by the eyes and the seeing and the command of the anointing. Are you with me now? So again, the, 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 even, even though that the early age was, was under the lion anointing and uh, there was an apostolic age and there were early fathers like Paul and John and others that prophesied the Antichrist would come. It would not be named or know who it was until it came the eagle age and come under the eagle anointing. Now, Paul told us the falling away would take place inasmuch that he said Satan will actually sit in the temple of God, proclaiming himself as God and even would be worshiped as God. And it began as a spirit, a little on a white horse, an impersonator, it wasn't easily discernible. It was like Jesus said, he sowed the wheat and another come and sowed the tare. But in that stage, it's not discernible which one is which. And he said, you know, so don't go and pluck them up because you'll make a mistake. You can't tell them apart at this age. And so it began out with an insidious spirit of, of, a, of, of a, a deceiver under deception. And, and, and it would not be known until and discernible until the prophetic anointing of the eagle would come and then that man of sin would be revealed. The son of perdition. Amen. And soon neither did the ox anointing reveal it or, nor the age of the reformers with all the intelligence of a man. Oh, it was all good guesses and the reformers and, and all of these men down through the ages have made some awful good guesses. But it would not be made known until the eagle age. 
under that anointing till the enemy himself would become exposed. Amen. Now, a beast represents a power. And, and so when you see the four living beasts or these four beasts are living creatures before the throne, it's a power. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was there to anoint the believer for every age Amen. In order that they could resist the devil. No matter what form he come in. Whether that he came in a, and as a white horse rider or a blood red horse or a black horse or whether it's a pale horse. There is an anointing that God has reserved. Amen. In order to defeat the enemy. Amen. We are not a people that are undefended tonight. Amen. We are not a people that things can be slipped up on. And we, we are just left at, at Satan's devices. But no God has an anointing in this day to equip the people. That they can know the hope of their calling. They can know who they were. And they can discern and withstand that antichrist spirit. And therefore become an invincible army that the devil cannot stop. Hallelujah. Now, the first horse rider represented a church that was going forth in its power. But it wasn't God's church. It was the Antichrist. It was a white horse impersonating Christ that went out to conquer. Well, look here at Revelation 6 and 2. And I'm not going to teach tonight, but I'm going to refer to some scripture. Revelation 6 and 2. And I saw and behold a white horse. And him that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and the conquer. Now, so it, you know, here the spirit, it began as a spirit. And you couldn't crown a spirit. This is why it was later given a crown. And because here it finally becomes manifest in a man, in a pope, in a leadership, and that's where he becomes crowned. And, and of course, he, he's impersonating Christ. It looks like it looks like the true church, but it's a false church. They're claiming to be the true church, but they're the false church. And remember, the Antichrist didn't start in the last day. The Antichrist has been here all the way from the beginning. Remember, where there was Jesus, there was Judas. Amen. There was the Son of Man, and there's the Man of Sin. And both of them are manifest in the last days. Are you with me now? So he went to Rome and he received a crown and put a, put a pope on the throne of the church. And it would be God did not leave his church defenseless. But no, there was an anointing from the throne that was manifesting itself as a lion. It was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. That early church was so influenced by the actual life of Christ. Jesus had walked among them for three and a half years and they had seen him die, buried, and rise again. And, and they were so influenced by the apostles who could say, I walked with him. They had witnesses of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. It was the time of writing the Gospels, writing down the testimonies. This is what happened. 
I was there. Amen. I experienced this. Amen. And then later they had men who could say, but I sat with Peter and I sat with John and I had fellowship with Paul. I sat in his meetings and I heard him preach. Are you with me? Amen. But it wasn't long until there wasn't any of them left. Amen. Amen. But while they were there, while they were in place, in Revelation 2 and 2, he would say, I know your works and thy labor and patience, and how can, thou cannot spare them which are evil. Here he's given this accolade to that first church. I know your works. I know your labor and your patience, your perseverance, your tenacity that you won't give up, and how you can't bear them which are evil. And then thou hast tried them that say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Amen. What am I trying to get to you, friends? I'm trying to tell you that there, there was a spirit that came out from the throne that anointed them, the line of the tribe of Judah. Amen. That gave them overcoming power so that the real believer, the elect, didn't get swept away by the Antichrist spirit that was already in the land and was already deceiving those. Paul said, I know that after my my departure, there's going to be grievous wolves that will come in and they will not spare the flock. Are you with me? Amen. But you see, then the, 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 the rider, then he, he receives a, a, on the white horse, he receives a crown. He gets a position. He gets authority. They, they have a man now that is the Pope. And, and here they, they move on in, into this and, and organize the church and the Bishop of Rome is crowned. And, and now finally they get the power of the state behind the church. Amen. And, and when, that, when that happens, it, 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 he is given a great sword. Now I want you to see this in Revelation 6 and 4. Bear with me for a minute. We're just kind of showing you some background of the Spirit of God that anoints down to the age. And in Revelation 6 and 4, and there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So now we notice what happens. Now, when the, when the papacy gets the power of the government of Rome behind him, here, here it comes that, that his horse becomes red. Power is given to him. And he takes peace from the earth. And now he's going to force his religion down, force his, his unbelief down, force his Trinitarian down, doctrine down. It's there that Tertullian will come up with a, with a plan of, of taking God and making him into three people. Are you with me? Amen. It'll be, it'll be their scholars that come along. And now then, it wasn't just enough to bring a false doctrine. But then you have the power now to kill anybody and force everybody into submission. And so if you didn't go with their doctrine of the Trinity, you get wiped out. Now you wonder how, how most of Christianity today is Trinitarian. That's the reason. It's because that peace was taken from the earth and power was given to kill and begin to wipe out the true believers and the truth of the gospel. Are you with me? 
Amen. But oh, I'll tell you, what, what we're seeing there is a white horse that began so innocently, looked so harmless with a bow, and don't say anything about an arrow, but now it becomes empowered with the Roman government behind it and turns bloody red with the blood of the saints. Amen. Now, under that, I want you to notice now, the, the, the age of the apostles has gone and there's no, no, there's no Paul to go back to and there's no Peter to go back to and to sit down and talk about it. And, hey, you know, here you got the Trinity coming up and we can't go to Apostle Paul and ask Paul his opinion about this new doctrine or we can't go to Peter and say, Peter, explain to us the Godhead. Amen. But now you've got an enemy that's come in and now he's got power. He's going to kill out everything that doesn't agree with him. He's going to force his religion down the throats of the people. And everybody who does not go, go with it will be taken and drugged with horses, be burned at stake, will be tarred and feathered for preaching what they believe is to be the truth and the oneness of Godhead and baptism in Jesus' name. First thing you know, you, they, they're wiping out hundreds of these little believers and these believing churches and wiping them out. And all that's being left is the masses of Catholicism. Amen. But, but you see that during that time, the church could do nothing but just simply labor. They couldn't, they, they, they could do nothing but labor because God again gave them a power to overcome and resist the enemy. This time the anointing comes, it's the same Holy Ghost, it's the same from the same throne, it's the same God, but he's sending an, an anointing and this time the face of his anointing is a calf or an ox. Amen. And they give their lives just as freely as they could give them. In the dark ages, you know, a thousand years that Catholicism controlled the world, they just went in. You know, yes or no, they didn't mind dying. Think of this. They didn't mind dying. If it was death, it was okay. Amen. They went and died anyhow. Why? Because of the anointing. It empowered them to be able to stand for what they believe and not cave in. Come on. Amen. To be an overcomer in their age, that anointing empowered them. Hallelujah. Now, listen, there was a man like Polycarp. Polycarp was... You know, was, um, was, was old, and he was 86 years old, they say. And they come to him, he was too old to flee. And too sincere of a man to let somebody else hide him. And then suffer a penalty for doing so. And he just gave himself up willingly to death. But before he did, now what, what they did is they found some young men that they knew that knew Polycarp, and they beat them until they finally caved in. To tell him where he was. So now they come and they find Polycarp. Polycarp, you know, when he hears they're coming, he won't flee. He said, I'll tell you, if I run, if I flee, they'll just beat some more to tell him where I went. I'm not going to do that to my brethren. I'll just face it. 
And so, you know, he, he was there when, when they arrived. And, and here, this, this, the, we'll call it the sheriff or the leaders of the men come to get him. Because well, that day there was a, um, there was a, a, a great a great time that was going on where we're at the arena that they were killing Christians, making them bow down, and the crowd began to call for Polycarp, find Polycarp, find Polycarp, and they're crying for his blood. So they go out to find Polycarp, and they find him now, and they come in to get him, and he, he, he told them, said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I, I want to fix you all a good meal. Before we, before we go, I'm going to go with you. But fix me, I'm going to fix you a good meal. But I'm not going to eat of it. I'm going to go over here. And for the next two hours, I will pray. And then after I finish praying, I'll go with you. And they put him on a, on a donkey and carried him down um, to the arena. And, and um, so here, here when he was praying, he prayed for the governor, for his enemies, for his captors. And like a saint of all ages desiring a better resurrection, he stood firm. Amen. Now, I want you to get why he could do this. He was anointed. Right. I'm trying to get something to you tonight. The reason why there's going to be a people stand firm in this day is because they are anointed. There's somebody going to overcome the enemy, the devil, in this last day, and it's because they are under an anointing. I'm preaching tonight to the anointed of the Lord. Here in this church and around the world, wherever you're listening to, you're the anointed of the Lord, and you're anointed to stand in your generation. You're anointed to overcome in your day. No matter who you are, what age you are, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whether you're a boy, whether you're a girl, you're anointed to overcome. Now, Polycarp, when he was taken into the arena, a voice came from heaven to him and said, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. Hallelujah. Amen. That means be a man. Be strong. Don't back up. Don't give in. Amen. And, and here's the voice saying, be strong and play the man. That's the voice calling out from your anointing tonight. Amen. Be strong and play the man. Be real men. Be real women in this generation. Be real Christian. Stand for God in your day and your time. Don't bend. Don't bow. Now, no one saw what was standing, but there was brothers nearby that heard the voice. And when the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him, asked him whether he was Polycarp on hearing he was. He tried to apostatize him, saying, have respect for your old age. Swear by the fortune of Caesar, repent, and say, down with the atheists. Now, the atheists in that day were people who would not worship Caesar. All right? So they said to him, you know, say down with those who won't worship. In other words, the Christian who would not worship Caesar. Who would not say he's our God. 
And so they, you know, they, they, they said, have respect for your old age and swear by the fortune of Caesar and repent and, and say, down with the atheists. Polycarp looked out there at the wicked heathen multitude at the stadium and gesturing toward them. He says, down with the atheist. He wasn't talking about his brothers now. He was talking about the ones that didn't believe in his God. Who didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. He looked out at the crowd. All the heathen and says down with the atheist. The proconsul said swear and reproach Christ. I'll set you free. And he says 86 years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? And I say to you, you know, he's never done me any wrong. People talk about this message sometimes and, and run it down and whatever. It's never done me any wrong. Amen. It's, it's done me right. It, it provided for me a good wife and good children. Amen. Good brothers and sisters, a holy life. It's never done me no wrong. Why should I deny this message? Amen. I know what the message of God has done to my life. I know what he's done for yours. Amen. It's done me no wrong. The proconsul said, but I've got wild animals here. I'll throw, them to, I'll throw you to them if you don't repent. He said, call them. Call them. Bring them on. Bring your lions, your tigers, your bears, your whatever it is. He said, it's unthinkable. You know, you know for me, it's, it's unthinkable for me to turn from, from what is good to turn to what's evil. I'll be glad, though, to cha- be changed from evil to righteousness. But I'm not going to change from righteousness to evil. And he said, well, if you despise the animals, I'll have you burned. He said, you threaten me with fire that only burns an hour. And then is extinguished, but you know nothing of the fire that's of the coming judgment and, uh, that, and punishment that is reserved for the ungodly. What are you waiting for? Bring over, bring on whatever you want. And, and you know, quickly they just gathered the, uh, you know, the sticks and wood and, uh, from shops and public baths. And I understood they even tore down. It was in such a frenzy, frenzy, they tore down a public bath and got the wood off of it. And here it went and, and made it and piled it around him. And, um, and so, well, you know, while the pile, when it was ready, Polycarp took off his, his outer clothes. He undone his belt. And, uh, and, he, he, and, he, and, and then he stepped forward to, to, to go there. And they, they were going to nail him with nails to hold him in place. And he said, leave me as I am. For he that gives me strength to endure the fire will enable me not to struggle. I don't need the help of your nails to keep me in place. Amen. So they simply bound his hands behind him. And, and um, there, there he went like a distinguished ram to say, well, for, for, from a great flock for sacrifice. And he was, went there to be an acceptable burnt offering to God. And he looked up to heaven 
And he said, oh, Lord God Almighty and Father of your beloved and son, blessed Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the knowledge of you, the God of angels and powers and every creature and of all righteousness, all the righteous who live before you, I give you thanks that you counted me worthy to be numbered among your martyrs, sharing the cup of Christ and the resurrection to eternal life, both soul and body, through the immortality of the Holy Spirit. May I be received this day as an acceptable sacrifice as you, the true God, have predestined, revealed to me, and now fulfilled. I praise you for all these things. I bless you and glorify you, along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, to you with him through the Holy Ghost. Be glory both now and forever. They said the fire came up around him, but there was a miracle that happened. It formed into an arch like the sail of a ship when filled with the wind, just formed a circle around his body. And, and, and there would not, would not burn him. And eventually the wicked men saw his body could not be consumed by the fire. They commanded an executioner to pierce him with a dagger. And when he did this, they said a dove flew out of him. And with it, such a great quantity of blood flowed that fire, the fire was extinguished. And so you see, there, there again, he was, he was a martyr for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he could do this because he was anointed. You say, well, how could they give their lives so freely? Because they were anointed. Brother Branham would say in the fifth seal, the martyrs down to the ages, they suffered terribly. But what was they? They were under the inspiration, the spirit of God, the power. How can a man do anything else besides the power of God that has been released to them? He said, you can't help but do what the power of God released to you enables you to do. That's what you're going to do. Hallelujah. If God sends a certain spirit among them, that's the only thing they can work by is the spirit that works among them. Amen. Now, again, he said that the church responded to the anointing. They could do nothing else. And I say tonight, the church responds to the anointing. They can do nothing else. Hallelujah. They willingly walked up there and died. They didn't care because the spirit that was anointing them at that time was sacrifice and labor and they walked up just as freely as they could walk anointed with the spirit of God of that age and died like heroes of sacrifices. Thousand times thousands until it was numbered into the millions, 68 million of them on record. That's what they did. They labored and sacrificed. And then the Antichrist spirit, having been, having wiped out many of the saints through persecutions, the power of Rome with her catechisms and prayers and Bible readings in Latin held knowledge from the people. Can you imagine you go to church 
And, you, and, and the preacher is reading a Bible in another language you don't understand? What do you get out of it? The Bible was read. You got nothing. A sermon is preached, and it's in Latin. And nobody understands what's being said. You walk out of there, you know, just like you came in. You didn't know nothing when you come in. You don't know nothing when you go out. You just did your religion. Amen. But God responded to them by sending them the intelligence of a man anointing with wisdom smart and shrewd. And there they pulled out the Bibles from the cloisters and the hidden caves and smuggled them out of the Roman church and translated them into the common language. Amen. Where that sermons could be preached in their language and the Bible could be read in their language. What did that? The intelligence of a man. And here's how he was overcoming the darkness of that age. The black horse rider was to give them intelligence. Bring them the word in their language. And those reformers would stand up under their anointing and there they would preach the word and they, they didn't have all of it because remember, they had been taught for years and years misconceptions and they stand right there but they get one revelation that just shall live by faith. It ain't doing penance and, and paying for my sins. Jesus paid it all. And here, here they come, you know, again, freed by the Spirit of God that came to anoint them for that hour. Amen. That Holy Spirit was combating the, en- the enemy. The black horse was riding, trying to block out truth that the red horse couldn't kill off. But now notice here, it, it comes right on down to finally we come down to the last age. And in the last age, Remember, here he comes. It's a perversion of all three of them. It's, it's the white, it's the red, it's the black. It is Laodicea. It is neither cold nor hot. And man, it's, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a spirit here in the last day that nothing's right and nothing's wrong. Whatever you think is right is right and whatever you think is wrong is wrong and you have no right to judge me. Do you hear that? Amen. You know, when, when it's come out in the curriculum here recently that, that, you know, where people begin to oppose and speak up against turning a little girl into a boy and a boy into a little girl and teaching this perversion and, and speaking out against it, all of the hordes of the people get on with their comments. You have no right to judge us. You have no right to judge us. You have no right to say nothing. And they shut their mouth saying, you have no right to judge. And Christians will come on there and try to say something and say, yeah, we don't have a right to judge. I say to you, you have a right to judge. You have a right to discern between right and wrong and call what is right, right, and wrong, wrong. You have the right to judge. Don't you know the saints shall judge the earth? You're called to give righteous judgment. Amen. Amen. To speak up. Say that's wrong. You have no right to judge. Yes, I do. 
Amen. I have a right to judge. I have a right to take the word and design that thing and to say that's evil. That's evil. That's wrong. That's sin. Are you with me? Amen. But you see, it's that day that we're living in. And we're be, but I want you to know now that we are in the eagle age under the eagle anointing, which is a prophetic anointing that allows us to see things that others couldn't see. Those that were on the ground couldn't see it, the lion, the ox, and the man. They're, they're ground creatures. But I want you to understand this eagle is a flying eagle. It changes dimension. It can go back and see where that spirit originated from. Come on. I mean, this prophet of God could go back even to a name of Elvis or Ricky or some of them and tell you its origin and where it came and how the anointing will affect your your life by being named and called that. And he said, if you name that, change your name. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Oh, it may be a popular name. It may be a name everybody likes and reveres and reverence, but a prophet of God saw the origin of it. Are you with me now? Amen. There's a lot of things like that that we got to look at with eagle eyes and the eagle anointing. Amen. Didn't you see, you see where some of these spirits that are coming in in this last day some of the dress that is going on, some of the hairstyles, some of the behavior, and all of that that is coming in because, because of the spirit of the age. But the eagle comes out to warn us where that thing came from. To do what? To give you an overcoming power so that you can rise up above it. Amen. Is everybody here tonight? Amen. God will liken his prophets to eagle. That's why he sent an eagle in this day, a prophet. But I want you to know, he wasn't the only eagle. Amen. Every one of you children of God are under that same anointing. Amen. We are anointed by the eagle anointing to overcome in our generation. It's the prophetic age. Amen. It's the time where we know now what the meaning of the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. We know what the white horse, the red, the black, the pale. We know all of these things because it's the eagle anointing. And the eagle anointing also restores back the original faith. It gives the church again wings to fly. Amen. That they can fly in the heavens where all things are possible to them that believe. Are you with me now? Amen. Now, now we're coming down to some things here because this is eagle time under eagle anointing. It's the anointing of the hour. It's the time we're living in. It's the working of the Holy Spirit for this particular time to prove that Jesus is not dead. Amen. The things he said he would do just before the evening lights went out, here God is doing it. Amen. Remember that the, the anointing says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The anointing said, He that which is and which was and is to come. The anointing said, He is holy. His word is holy. His truth is holy. His righteousness is holy. His peace is holy. Amen. He is holy. Come on, church. That's what the anointing says. The anointing upon you tonight magnifies Jesus Christ. Amen. It exalts him. 
It causes him to, to be the, your, the, your place of adoration. Where that you worship is him. Are you with me now? Now these living creatures are cherubims. They have been guarding the way to the tree of the, of the tree of life. It was in Genesis. We'll look at that in Genesis 3 and verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed in the east of the garden of Eden cherubims. And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So here it is. He drove Adam and Eve out and placed at the Eden of uh, the Garden of Eden cherubims. These same ones that you're seeing in Revelation chapter 4. And I want you to notice they were to keep the way of the tree of life. They keep the way to life. Amen. They keep the way to life. Now get the point now. These are cherubims. And they keep the way, the path to life. Are you with me now? Now let's think about it just for a moment. They got a flaming sword. Here in Eden when man fell, these cherubims, they were to keep men out of Eden and guard the way to the tree of life because they could not come to life Without the shedding of blood. Until Jesus paid the atonement. And when he paid the price. Oh my. I want you to understand. The cherubims are still there. Not to keep you out. But to help you come in. I'm talking about anointings are there. To keep you in the path. To keep you on the path to life. To help you in the journey to life. Amen. I'm trying to get something to you. You are not alone. You are anointed. These angels, these cherubims are there to help you get to life. Amen. If you're sick tonight, they're here to help you get to life. If you're unsaved tonight, they're here to help you get to life. Amen. Whatever situation you're in, they are here to help you get to life. They guard the way to life. Now, with Israel, Israel, when they would camp along the journey, there was a tabernacle where life was. So the tabernacle has life in it. So when they come to rest, there were three tribes that would be under Judah. There would be three tribes over here camped that's surrounding now. They're all coming into the place. Here's Judah. Here's Dan. And, and, and over here, there, there are two, two others. Listen to me now. There's Dan. There's Dan and there is Ephraim. So you got them all now coming together here, here they are surrounding, surrounding the tabernacle. So they have, they're all camped under a banner. Judah's got a banner of the lion. He's the lion of Judah. Amen. The Ephraim, he's got the banner of an ox. Amen. Reuben, 
He's ahead of the other three. They all camp with the other two. And they camp with him. And, and he has the man. Judas, uh, Reuben is the man. And the eagle is Dan. So you got them all gathered around life. And they're all guarding the entrance into life. Amen. And so the only way that you're going to come to the tabernacle is through the ox, the man, or the lion, or the eagle. Are you with me? Amen. This is exactly what they did in the, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament there. They camped under their banner. Amen. They camped under their sign. Oh, we're camping under a sign tonight. We ought to wave that banner. Amen. We ought to tell the world what side we're on. Amen. Because we've got an eagle anointing that we are under. And we're not earthbound like the rest of the world. Amen. But we're called to a high calling. Amen. Now, in the New Testament, now we come to the New Testament. Since the way, since the way to life is Jesus and his indwelling spirit, these same cherubims that kept unworthy men away from the tree of life is now here keeping the way, protecting the way for us to bring men to life. Amen. Now, so in the New Testament, we know where God tabernacled in men. Where did that happen? In the book of Acts. Right? Amen. So we have in the book of Acts where God tabernacled with men. That's where the mercy seat was on earth was in the book of Acts. If you want to find mercy, you want to find grace, it's in the book of Acts. All right? Now, so the book of Acts is the holy place with the mercy seat. Only there is deliverance. Only there is salvation. It's the inner veil where God and man is reconciled. And surrounding the book of Acts, guarding the way, to bring people into the book of Acts is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen. The four living creatures again. The lion, Matthew, the ox, Mark, Luke. Amen. Are you with me? The man, and then the eagle, John. Glory to God. Amen. So here, here you have these guards that are, that are leading you. They're there. To lead you to the indwelling of the Spirit. They're there to lead you to the book of Acts. They're there to lead you to healing, to deliverance. Amen. Because it's not working in Jesus anymore. It's working in his church. Amen. It'll be the acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Amen. And they will be writing a book of Acts. This is what our commission is in this last day. To write a book of Acts. Are you with me? So the guard leads you right to the book of Acts. Amen. Now, for example, if you want to know, if you want to know again, if you want to know again the steps of salvation, what can you do? You can go right there to Matthew 28, 19. And say, go you therefore and teach all nations. Here's the guard. Baptizing them in the name. Not names, name. 
What's he doing? Pointing to the indwelling spirit. Amen. In the name of the Father, not the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now notice now, he keeps those without, without, without election out. Because they get confused along the way. But those that belong in, those that are the royal priests, those that are the elect of God, they find their way right through this scripture. And they can see there that there ain't three gods. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I said unto you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That ought to have got us shouting right there tonight. To know his promise is here, right here in the end time. And the lion roars out and said, I'll be with you. Even to the end of the world. If you're wondering if he's with us tonight, the lion's roar of Matthew said, he's here. He's present. Where is he present? In those who have repented and have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it opens up the door of Acts 2.38. Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, Trinitarians get confused here, and they teach, they, they teach this is three persons. Father a person, Son is a person, the Holy Ghost is a person. One God and three persons. Now, I know I said that too fast, and you didn't catch it, because they can't understand it either. And you can say it slow. One God in three persons. Holy Trinity. It still don't make sense. Three persons make three gods. Come on. Three persons are three, three personalities. Three persons are three individuals. And there's not, there's not, there's not a trinity in the Godhead. Amen. But the Godhead's in a person. And that person was in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. Let me just show you here. Let me, let, me, let me just go here for a minute. Put that scripture, Matthew 28, 19, back up here again. Notice, they make three persons out of this. I'm just taking my time for a minute. They make three persons, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That's three. So then, so then let's take their thought of these three being, one, three being different persons. And let's see if Matthew helps us to find the way to life. I think he can solve the mystery, don't you? I think he's the guard to help us, to help us get on the way. So let's go to Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of God the Father. Did I read that right? No, of the Holy Ghost. So according to the Bible here, the Holy Ghost was his father. Then Joseph, being her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee, unto Mary, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived is, uh, in her is of the Holy Ghost. So you see, 
Either the Father and the Holy Ghost are the same person, or Jesus had two fathers. You got two people bringing, bringing the conception. He come from two. Now, you know, that might fit with today. You know, we have two mommies. We have two daddies. But it don't fit in the Bible. Come on. That's not a family. Amen. But no, you remember, he was fathered by the eternal spirit. Amen. There's not three Christians in the Godhead, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Are you with me now? So these guards, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, would take you into God's presence into the holiest of holies. Amen. Where God tabernacles with his people. Now, let's talk about them for a moment because we can talk about them, how that they helped in the, in the ages and how that they gave the overcoming spirit down through the times and the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle and all their particular anointings. But now let's think of them as each one of them with, as a face of an aspect of the same Holy Ghost and his power and his willingness to deliver. Are you with me? Now, when we talk about this on a personal level, as we pray, God responds to our faith by looking our way with a facet of his deliverance. So you got a need. Let's say your deliverance that you need is is, um, healing. Well, God responds. Listen, this, this is... We sang this song tonight, you know, you know that about awakening the master. Really, he never went to sleep. I'm not mocking the song. The song was wonderful. Amen. I appreciate it. And I just want to say to you tonight, I felt like, I felt like the Japanese general that says, I'm afraid that we have wakened a sleeping giant. Amen. Because it really isn't Jesus who's being awakened. It's you being awakened to the fact Jesus is in your life. Amen. And your Christ has stirred within you that Holy Ghost to act on your behalf and to bring your faith from a dormant faith to an active faith. Are you with me? Amen. So when the lion anointing empowers a person's faith, it is a boldness and with great courage and with tenacious fight for healing, a faith that never backs down. Amen. Oh, that mighty faith of a warrior lion roar. Amen. Sickness comes and my, there's something of faith that rises and roars out. Amen. It roars out the promises. I am the Lord, that God that healeth all of thy diseases. It begins to roar out. Amen. That he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Amen. It begins to roar ferociously at the enemy. That's a lion anointing. Are you with me now? Amen. Now the opposite banner of the lion is the eagle. And the eagle anointing is the miracle. Amen. And a miracle is not a healing. It's more than a healing. It happens instantaneously. It's a, and and it, it, that, that eagle anointing picks you up and lifts you up quickly right out of it. I mean, one moment you're sick, the next moment it's gone. Right. 
no symptoms, no nothing. It's all gone. It's not a healing. It's a miracle. Amen. Now, God didn't really promise us that we would have miracles. All those are signs and wonders and miracles that do follow. But he does promise healing. And these healings do result in miracles. Amen. But notice, you know, again, the eagle anointing picks you up like a rapture. It just catches you, snatches you out of that situation. And, 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 then, and then on the other hand, the man anointing is still God healing, but he will use the intelligence of a man. Yeah, God will use surgeons and medicine with knowledge that he gave to them. Amen. They came to him, come, came from him for his healing work. Hey, you know, people get to the point that, you know, I go to the doctor, that means I ain't got no faith. You better have some faith if you go to the doctor. Amen. If you, if you go to him for healing, you, you're already going for the wrong motive. He can't heal. Amen. But, you know, it would be foolish if I had a, a, an arm that was dangling from my side tonight, broken in two in about three different places, and wobbling all around, and here I am, and I said, well, I'm going to trust God for healing. Well, yeah, you trust God for healing, Amen. but you need somebody to set the thing in place. Well, God can heal my arm. Yes, he can, and he will, amen, but it'll heal much faster if you'll put it in place, amen. Same thing comes along, you, you know, we use intelligence of man to get to church. Now, you could get to church by walking. I live 35 minutes away to traveling 55 mile an hour and, uh, you know, and fudging no more than, my, than, than one or two miles an hour, staying with the speed limit in the, in the spirit of the law. Are you with me? And I can be here in church in 35 minutes. But I'll tell you, you know, we, we left and I came early to church tonight, left about 4.30 and I'd still be walking and I wouldn't even be here if I'd have refused to take my car. You say, well, God can pick you up and take you to church. Yes, God can take me to church. But I need that car if I'm going to get here in any time soon. Amen. Now, he can pick me up and take me. He can translate. He did Philip. Amen. But let, let me tell you, that's not the usual way he does it. Amen. Usually you'll get in a car or truck or something, you'll drive to church. Amen. Now the same thing. God can heal, and, and it's God healing. He'll use a doctor sometimes. And so, and, and so it's absolutely stupidity to refuse a doctor because you're having faith. I think they hung up on me. Now listen, Brother Bradham said, God heals in many ways. A doctor asked me not long ago, what's your opinion of medicine? Brother Bradham said, well, God is the only one that can heal, sir. The Bible don't lie. And the Bible said, I'm the Lord that heals all your diseases. And the Bible can't lie. I said, God heals by medicine. God heals by love. God heals by understanding. God heals by care. God heals by prayer. God heals by miracles. The whole thing, God heals, that's all. 
All there is to it, he is the healer. Are you with me now? You say, again, Brother Brandon said, he cares to you care. We believe doctors help people. I believe God heals by medicine. God heals by surgery. He, God heals by understanding. God heals by love. Just a little love goes a long way. Let somebody be all upset and just show them you care for them. God heals by love. God heals by prayer. God heals by miracles. God heals by his word. God heals whatever source it is. God heals by it. It's God that heals. For he said, I am the Lord that healeth all thy diseases. So it all should work together. Conference with God. Your first duty when you get sick, of course, you go to your doctor. He does all he can do. He can't do no more. You have a right to go to the great specialist then. Now, we're not against doctors. Well, who is then? This Pentecostal age that we come through. They claimed and thought they had all this super faith. That if you dared went to a doctor, you was denying God. That's not denying God. Amen. God uses medicine. God uses doctors. Amen. God uses the intelligence of a man. That's that anointing. And sometimes that's the way that God looks toward you. He don't give you a miracle. He doesn't give you a healing like a lion faith a healing. But he'll give you a doctor. Now, you use that with wisdom. Remember, when you're sick, your first duty is to go to the doctor and see what he says. And then if he he diagnoses the case of something that he cannot, science has not been able to reveal to him any help for you, then you have a right to come to God. He's the great physician. Amen. We can appeal to a greater doctor. Amen. Now, notice there's another one. There is the ox anointing. And under that ox anointing, you may plod along. You know, with one small victory, one small step, carrying that burden. You know, to, you know struggling and strain again. You're given grace to plod, plod along the journey. You, get, you can even be healed and Get sick again. Find relief under this ox anointing. And my Paul did it. He said, I, I prayed to the Lord three times for him to deliver me. And Brother Branham said he would actually get better and get sick again. And he'd get better. He'd be, you know, get prayed for and get better and get sick again. And he'd get better and he prayed and said, Lord, take this away from him. And God spoke back and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because of, of, of a need in your life, because that you would be exalted. And my above measure, I've allowed a messenger of Satan to buffet you. Amen. Now, so what did God do? He said, you know, the ox is just going to help you to plod along. And sometimes that beast of sacrifice looks to you. And you come right down to death. (laughs) Sacrifice. Go like a martyr to the block. 
But God knows you're going to be healed. Because he heals all diseases. And that death can only, Satan can only torment you to that door. And once you're past that door, amen, you'll be jumping into a brand new body. Hallelujah. You'll be doing things you could have never done before. Come on, in a new body that'll never get sick again. Amen. Because he heals all diseases. I'm trying to tell you tonight, God has never lost a case. There's never been a time that a Christian ever trusted for him and he did not answer and he did not provide the healing that he atoned for them at Calvary. You're going to be healed. Let me say it to you tonight. You're going to be healed. Amen. No matter what your situation is, you're going to be healed. I am the Lord God that healeth all thy diseases. Sometimes I'll anoint you with great faith. Sometimes I'll anoint you with a miracle. Sometimes I'll, I'll turn you over and let doctors help you. But I, sometimes it'll be I'll carry you in the other dimension. But you're going to be healed. Hallelujah. Every crooked back is going to be straight. Every crossed eye is going to be, is going to be seen straight. Every, every weakness in every body, amen, is going to be healed. He will heal every diseases. Amen. He'll heal body, soul, spirit. He'll heal everything. Amen. Now, so now, there was a little sister carrying. You know, her baby died. It had crib death. And Sister Scarion and her husband, uh, Julius, they had been, you know, they, together they wrote that book, A Prophet Visits South Africa. They witnessed healings, miracles. Oh, power of God, deliverances. And they believed. One morning they get up, I'm just going to say it, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, Filling in some pieces that ain't there, but perhaps one morning they got up and they go to the crib and their little baby's dead. They're in Germany. That little mother, she was a believer. She said, it's time to call Jesus on the scene. There's a need right here. And my baby is dying or is dead. But I don't see that God will raise the dead. I don't see the miracles. And they made it word that the U.S. government, because he worked for the military, would send, a plan, send Brother Branham on a plane all the way to Germany to pray for their baby to raise it up from the dead. And Brother Branham waited on a vision. He waited on a vision. He waited on a vision, waiting on that vision. It never came. And finally, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, told, told him, said, it's the hand of the Lord. Tell her to go bury her baby. Now, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's just that time. It's just that place. Maybe a young child, maybe, oh, or whatever. And, 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 and she, she come to Brother Branham later and said, Brother Branham, what was it? Did I not just have enough faith? Why was it that my, you know, that God wouldn't raise my baby? And, and Brother Branham 
she sat down and said, was it a weakness of my faith? And he said, sister, you have great faith. You prayed for your baby, and you and your husband held on to it. God will raise that baby, and he refused to do it because he knows what's best. And you still love him. Now, he said, that's real faith. Anybody, when mountains are moving and things can have faith, but let it go backwards one time and see how it works. That's when you prove whether you've got faith or not. Amen. Sometimes it, things are going backwards and people think, oh, why? They didn't have no faith. Oh, yes. Listen, no true Christian ever died except they died in faith. These all died in faith. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't quit. They wouldn't turn on God. Even though they called and asked God for deliverance and they didn't get it, they didn't turn on God. Because deliverance didn't come the way they wanted it. But deliverance came. Amen. Now, so, so some die like martyr, martyrs, gasping out their breath. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. But let me just say, God has provided healing for us. He's, he's provided deliverance for the body, the spirit, and the soul. But now, let me... Let me let me get this just for a moment. Just trying to give me 15 more minutes. I'll try to get this done. It's Wednesday night, I know. But notice, you know, faith is not about acknowledging the possibilities of what can, God can do. Many people understand that God can do the impossible. But faith, the Bible kind of faith, is believing not only what God can do, but God, what God will do. Amen. And God will heal. He will heal using doctors. He will heal without doctors. He'll heal by miracles. He'll heal by lying like faith. He'll heal by the oxen on He will heal. Amen. So, you know, F.F. F. Bosworth said that, that there was, there was 7,000 promises in God's Word. Think about that. 7,000 promises lay in God's Word. And every one of them is just as good today as when they were written. Hallelujah. Amen. Out of those 7,000, there are 3,827 promises of God's healing power. Amen. So there's plenty enough of the promises of God for your need. Amen. 3,800 just for healing. 7,000 promises all together. Amen. Now, faith begins where the will of God is known. The Word reveals that, that, that it's God's will to heal, and, and believers can accept His will by faith, faith that is produced by hearing the Word of God. Remember, that's how faith comes, is by hearing the Word preached. That's why we're preaching these things tonight is because we're trying to, to bring back or to increase that apostolic faith among us. Are you with me? Now, every word of God is true. Let me just say it to you tonight. Though every word of God is true, angels are just as real. 
Amen. I mean, when, they, when he stepped out of a pillar of fire to a prophet in this day, God was making it real to us in this generation. I want you to know that not just one person saw that angel, but hundreds of people saw that angel in the meetings. Hundreds, if not thousands, actually saw the pillar of fire. Amen. Sister Jeannie Camp, she was, she was there, a young girl there, and walked into the presence of that angel. She knew it was there. Amen. It's been witnessed in our generation. Are you with me? And I just tell you, it's no less effective today as it was when the prophet of God was here. No more than it was less effective back in the days of Paul when an angel stood by him. Amen. The angel of the Lord, can I say it to you? The Bible said they encamp about those that fear him and delivers him. Amen. Listen, friends, that pillar of fire is not just a picture. It is a real, living, vibrating, pulsating being. Amen. When, when it was taken, if you go back and look at that picture on the back wall tonight, when you go out of here and you will look and you will see the pillar of fire is hazy because the camera, the camera there was catching it there as it was pulsating. So it was, it was like a fuzzy light. Because it was a living, moving organism out of which would an angel would stop, step out and minister to ones in this generation. And I tell you, if you want to know where the pillar of fire is tonight, it's in his church. Amen. It's in the body of believers. It's right here in this building tonight. Amen. Now, every word of God is true. Every word that Jesus used to defeat the devil was written word. I'm trying to bring something to you now. Amen. Because you are anointed, are you with me? To use the word. That uh, that anointing has a flaming sword. Amen. That sword is to be in your mouth. And you are to be anointed to speak The written word. Now, of course, you can be anointed to speak things that aren't in the Bible. But you are anointed to speak things also that are in the Bible. God could give a prophetic word. He has to me many a time. Amen. Given me a prophetic word. I've heard his voice. Amen. Speak to me things right in the, that that brought me right up out out of, I wasn't even asleep when I was sitting on the side of the bed in the middle of the night and hear the voice of God. Amen. And I know that it's true. But let me tell you, you, you do not have to wait on a voice to come in the middle of the night. You have the voice of his word. Hallelujah. It's the voice of the Lord. And Jesus, every word Jesus used to defeat the devil had been written some 1,500 years or 2,000 years before and was in a written form until it was taken into his heart and spoken with his lips. Amen. But Jesus knew every word was for every believer and it was current for that time. And so he spoke, it is written. It is written. I, did you, you, you missed that. I said, Jesus knew that every word of God 
was, was for every believer. It was for him, and it was current for that time. So he could take a word written 1,500 years ago, and in it was life. Enough life in that when he spoke it, it would have the same effect over the devil. To defeat the devil anywhere, any place, any time. Amen. Let me demonstrate this for a moment. Amen. Let me demonstrate this. Let me just say it to you. In order for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, how many's got the Holy Ghost? How did you get it? How did you get it? How did it happen? How did it defeat the devil in your life? You use words that were written 2,000 years ago that said, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You took a word, come on, that was laying in the Bible, and it, you believed it, you took it in your heart, you believed it, and it worked. Demons left your life. Cigarettes left your life. Alcohol left your life. Amen. Why? Because you took written word, amen, and you believed it. And it worked. Now, how in the world can you do that? That wasn't wrote to you. That was spoke to a people who stood there when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. And they asked the question, "What, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, hello somebody. Peter said to them, repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Amen. So it was spoken not to this church. Peter wasn't here and preaching that to you. Amen. It was spoke to a congregation 2,000 years ago. But you believed it. And you made that promise personally to you. And said the promises unto you and to them that are far off. And even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And you said, yeah, mama, that's me. And you believed that. And you received that. And it worked. Now, if it'll work for that deliverance, it'll work for every deliverance. Amen. Maybe not that scripture for your healing, but for the healing of your soul. There's other scriptures laying in the Bible, amen, that that is for the healing of your soul. Now, let me bring it right down. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to go through these real quickly. So here's the guard trying to get you into the acts of the Holy Ghost. That's what we want to see, apostolic times, isn't it? Amen. So here's one of the guards, one of the cherubim, which is Matthew the lion. Let's see what he says about it. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Is that the Bible? 
preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel is, is what? Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Amen. This is Matthew pointing to that you can have a book of Acts church. That the indwelling spirit can be living in a church in a body of believers and perform the same acts that they did back there. It was not the, the Holy Ghost in Jesus now. It was the Holy Ghost in his people. The acts of the Holy Ghost in his people. Matthew 8 verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many that were demon-possessed. And he cast out spirits with the word and healed all that were sick, saying that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he took our infirmities and bare our sickness, bore our sicknesses. So you see, again, this, this is him. But you say, now, Brother Tim, but that was for a word that was 2,000 years ago, and that was Jesus. We're going to come to that in a minute. But look here in Matthew 18, 18. I want you to see. Here the lion is screaming out, roaring out tonight. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I send you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you, that if any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Come on. Amen. This is Matthew saying, amen, he's guarding the way. He's helping you to get, amen, to the indwelling spirit and the acts of the Holy Ghost where the Holy Ghost is acting, living, moving among the people. Amen. You want to see what the... What the what the, Mark the ox said? Let's go to Mark 5, 34. And he said in her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Faith will heal you then. Faith will heal you now. Go in peace and be freed from, or be, be whole of that plague. Mark eleven twenty one. Remember, here's Peter drawing to the remembrance. Jesus cursed from the roots of fig tree. Spoke to the life of a fig. Of a tree. He can speak to the life of a fig tree. He can speak to the life of a cancer. Speak to the life of any demon. Come on. Amen. It's got to obey the name of Jesus. Amen. And Peter called and remembered, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree whom thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God. Glory. Amen. Isn't there people tonight that could have faith in God? Amen. amen. For I, verily I say unto you, amen, that whosoever shall, oh my goodness, who did it say? Who did it say? Who did it say? Put your name there now. If you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he said shall come to pass. You can have whatsoever things you say. Amen. Oh, my. Here, here's the power that's in a believer. How many believers tonight? Have faith in God. His word is still the truth. Amen. Notice he said in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, 
When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You believe it's already been done. Amen. You believe you already have received it. Amen. You go to acting like you've already received it. You go to praising God because you've already received it. You believe because you're dead what he said. So therefore you're going to receive. Let's go to one more place of Mark the ox. Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now what's he doing? He's helping us get to the book of Acts. How many wants to go to the book of Acts? Mark's giving you a little help. Amen. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, we've been through it, in my stead, in my place, they shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. Let me, let me go real quick. Let's go, let's go to Luke the physician, Luke 4 and verse 32. Listen now. Here, here we go. They were, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Come on, church. Amen. Doctrine is to be the word with power. It's not to be a bunch of theology. The message that you got in this day was the word with power. Amen. Now, if you receive that word, it is still the word with power. Amen. Look at the next verse. And in the, and in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean devil. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What, is, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, that ho- the Holy One of God. Amen. I believe the devil knows who we are. Amen. I believe this bride is the Holy One of God. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Now, he, we have come, we have come to torment him before his time. He's going to have a time where he'll be in the lake of fire. He'll be in a penitentiary for a thousand years. He's going to have his time. But before then, we've got the right to take the word and tell him where to go. Amen. We've got the right to cast him out. Come on now. Amen. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this? What a word is this? For with authority and power, he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. That's what's in the word. What a word this is, church. Amen. We have the authority over unclean spirits. Amen. I, I don't have time to get all of these, but let me just get, get right down here for a moment. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And he commissioned the 70. And this is before the Holy Ghost came. If this was before the Holy Ghost, what about after the Holy Ghost? And they, and, and they returned to him with a joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Huh? You cause devils to fall. 
Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Don't you think Luke the physician, amen, the, the man intelligence, don't you think he had a word for us? I give you power. Amen. The Bible said, I'll give you power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the world. Here we are in the uttermost parts. Amen. What did he do? He gave you power to cast out unclean spirits. Amen. Now, you say, well, I, I, I don't have much faith. Well, if your faith is as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this sacrament tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it'll obey you. Amen. Now let's see what the eagle said. John the eagle, trying to help us get to the book of Acts now, says absolutely, John 14, 12, absolutely, absolutely, verily, verily, I say unto you, it is a fact, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, because I go to my Father, and what of you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything, anything, anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. Amen. All of heaven, the one sitting on the throne says this. Amen. The one who, who has all power in heaven and earth says this. Amen. The Almighty God says this. Amen. Amen. The eagle says, the anointing said, he, he that was, which is, and which is to come. Amen. John 5, 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will, do, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. Amen. Now, I want you to go with me for a moment. I'm going to close with this scripture now. John 16, 23, and yes, I know I went over 15 minutes. But let's go to the scripture anyway. John 16 and verse 23. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Now, you're not talking about his priesthood and where that we can go to the throne of grace, get him to help us in our time of need. He was talking about he would no longer be there physically among them. Walking the shores of Galilee, out on the boat with them. He wouldn't be there breaking the bread. And that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hmm. Give me the next verse. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Oh, ask enough. Don't ask for a little bit. Ask for a bunch until your joy is full. You got a need, ask for it. Come on. Not beg for it, ask for it. Amen. Look at the next verse now. Amen. These things I've spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh. When I will shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall speak, I will show you plainly of the Father, and that's the day we're living in. Amen. Amen. No more Proverbs, no more seals, no more thunders. Come on, no more mysteries. The mysteries are revealed. 
Amen. This is the day. These things I've spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time cometh, and here we are. When I will speak no more unto you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of my Father. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Amen. Your eyes, for they see. For prophets and wise men and and other men have desired to see the day that you have seen and did not get to see them. But here you are. Now watch this next verse. At that day, ye shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. Watch. For the Father himself loveth you. Because you have loved me and I believe that I came out from God. So in that day, it won't be him on earth. Are you with me? Amen. Asking for us. But you will ask. It won't be him praying for you, but you'll pray. It won't be him casting out devils, but it'll be you casting out devils. Amen. It won't be me. He said it'll be you. For the Father loves you. I want to say to you tonight, you are loved of God. You are loved of the Father. Amen. He wants to hear your voice. Amen. You come to him boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. Won't be me here standing in a physical body needing to pray for you. But but you'll be here on earth doing the asking in my stead. In my name. Because the Father loves you. Friends, that's what the eagle anointing said. This is what the book of John said. The Father loves you. Amen. Your sins are gone. I preached it Sunday. Amen. The blood, the bleach has washed it all away. It's annihilated. It's put it back on the head of your accuser. You're the sinless, blameless bride of Jesus Christ. You never did it in the first place. And you can stand there under that blood and command the devil, take his hands off of God's property. And he has to do it. It's eagle anointing. As the musicians come, let's stand to our feet. It's the eagle anointing. And that eagle anointing is described as a flying eagle. An eagle that flies. It sets his wings in the promise of God. I want you tonight to realize what you've been called to. This eagle anointing is trying to lift you up higher than where you've ever walked before. The eagle anointing was upon Enoch that every step he took got higher. And I'm trying to tell you tonight, you're not of this fallen world. You're of a rising church. And the church is rising. She is not falling. And she's not going down as a faithless group, but she's a rising church, rising in power. Now set your wings in the promise of God. Let's worship the Lord just a moment. Amen. Father, I give this message to you now in Jesus' name. I want you to sing a song. That that song about the the eagle, the eagle's wings that we've just been singing. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment. I want you to take a moment. Your 
an eagle now. How many is eagle? How many is under that anointing? Then you can't help but to do what you've been ordained to do. And that's to fly. And the Holy Spirit, the winds of the Holy Spirit is coming through this building tonight. Amen. We're not a people walking by faith, but we're looking to the unseen. We're going to worship God now. We're going to rise in faith. I want you to rise with this. There are two roads you may take. Oh, yes. One by side. Oh, yes. And one by faith. Take the word of God. Amen. What you
by and by, it will move or you'll fly right over it. Many years ago, I was in Banff, up in Canada, the Hildebrands took me up there, my wife and I. We went up into the National Park, those towering mountains, some of them were snow-capped, they had glaciers. Took a bus, went for miles up on the mountain. I don't know how far winding around, but we got up there. Then we walked up on the glacier, seen the water coming out of the the ice, crystal blue, beautiful blue, baby blue color. And I stood there and I realized how far we had come up the mountain and we wasn't halfway up it hardly. And still it towered up above me, big glaciers coming down. And I stood there looking at that majestic thing. And the thought come to me, Tim, it would take the rest of your life you probably wouldn't in a lifetime with your situation your ability get over this mountain if it would it'd take days months maybe it'd take a whole summer for me trying struggling one step at a time cliffs that are impossible climbing whatever it was on it was impossible and i looked at that great mountain towering over me wondered at its majestic peace how it would look to be able to look down upon them just a couple of days later we flew out of Edmonton and as we flew we had to fly over Calgary down over Banff and, the, and there I was in a cushioned seat an air conditioned without a struggle. And the pilot comes on and said, if you look over to your right, you can look down over the mountains at Banff. And I looked over at that impossible mountain that I was not able to climb up, that it would have been impossible for me to ever get over it. And there on the wings of that airplane, I sat in comfort and looked down on this what was a lofty piece and now it was just only a mohill I crossed it with ease because I went on the wings what's your need and what's your cry what's your mountain much too high speak the word of God and by and by it will move or you will fly <laughs> something's going to happen to it you're getting over it that's the word of the Lord to you tonight. You're getting over it. You're rising above it. Amen. It may look too high. It may look too big. It may look impossible. But I'm telling you tonight, the winds of the Holy Spirit is here to lift you on eagle's wing. Give me that next verse and let's read it now. Amen. What's the eagle in the sky? He does not struggle. He does not strive for the power that makes him rise is already in the sky. Amen. Oh, church tonight, that power is already there for you. 
Amen. Let's sing that second and third verse again now. Worship the Lord. What's your need? And what's your cry? What's your mountain? Oh, yeah. Isn't much too high. What are you going to do? Speak the word of God. Hey. 